Welcome to the Landmark Theatres Film Club podcast. Today we'll be hearing a conversation with writer-director Rinaldo Marcus Green about his film Monsters and Men, recorded at the Landmark in Los Angeles on the film's opening night. Hi, good evening everyone. If um, you weren't aware, we're just going to have a short Q&A um, for those of you who would like to stay. Um, my name is Sonia Marchand. I'm here on behalf of Moms of Black Boys United, or as we affectionately call it, Mob United. Um, I want to thank everyone for coming out this evening to uh, share in this important film. This is a very big weekend for um, social justice being um, exhibited in the media. There are, uh, there's this film and uh, also the, the Hate You Give uh, coming out this weekend. Um, we want to encourage everyone to um, participate and allow yourself to be inspired to action um, by what you see and hear and discuss. Um, unfortunately, these are the times we're in right now, and this is our new reality. Our new civil rights movement is now a human rights movement, and it is incumbent upon all of us to do everything that we can in order to move the needle for our young men and our, our boys all of our children, uh, everyone. So again, um, I would just like to first of all thank uh, Reynaldo for an amazing film that uh, is, is just so touching and so moving. Um, it, it, it's a perfect, I think, um, example of the experience of those of us who have been um, just feeling powerless and hopeless for by what we've been witnessing in the news in the last few years. Um, if anyone in here is um, inspired to look into how they can do a little bit more um, and get involved with movements like uh, Moms of Black Boys United, I invite you to check out www.mobunited.org. Um, learn a little bit more about the organization. We are specifically for mothers raising uh, black sons. I think uh, but between Mob United and Black Lives Matter, who is also going to be represented tonight by your moderator, Ms. Melina Abdullah, um, we pretty much have you covered. So um, any organization that you feel uh, connection with and you feel like you might want to get involved with to you know just bring what you can to the table in order to help move the needle would be amazing and, and very much appreciated. So I'm um, not going to hold you. I want to introduce Melina Abdullah, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter and And um, Ronaldo. <laughs> and we just have the two of you. Oh, is there a cast? Any cast members? Any, uh, <laughs> any cast? No. Okay, just us. Um, do we have mics out in the? there's no okay yeah. got it so, so maybe if you're okay with it Sonia would you be the person to if folks want to speak into the mic let them use your mic as we're doing the Q&A is that Absolutely. all right with you? yes mm -hmm. okay 
Great. So what we wanted to do, so Reynaldo, it's wonderful to meet you. I had the privilege of seeing the film. This is my second time seeing the film. Um, and I think it's really important. There's a, an African proverb, until the lion tells a story, the hunter will always be the hero, right? So it's important that we tell our own stories because when they come from our perspective, it's often different, right? The hero is different, right? Um, I think, and I don't want to speak for everyone in the audience, but um, I think that as I was watching this for the second time now, um, the immediate thing that struck me was, uh, especially with the end scene, was the, I, I never thought I'd be quoting a major corporation, was the Nike ad, right? Um, there, you all have seen the Colin Kaepernick ad, yes? Okay. So. Um, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. And I would just change that a bit to stand for something even if it means sacrificing everything, right? And I think that we saw that in the film with two of your lead characters. I think it's really interesting how you built this film, right, with kind of three lead characters, three stories that are intertwined. Um, and it's interesting to me that two of your characters chose to stand for something and one did not, right? One kind of turned his head the other way. Um, and I'm wondering, um, I have my own ideas about it, right? Um, I appreciate that, right? Um, why you chose to tell this story now and why you chose to tell it in the way that you did and um, why those characters made the choices that you did in your, your story. That's a very long answer. Long, three, three year long journey. Um, no, no. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the, I made a short film in 2015 called Stop, and that, uh, I went to NYU grad film, uh, and I had to make a short film as my third year, and um, I was just listening to the Times, you know, what was happening around me, and um, after the Trayvon Martin decision to acquit George Zimmerman, and I was, I was impacted by that, you know, like that could have been me walking home with a hood on, doesn't matter how many degrees at night, I'm walking in my own neighborhood, like that could have been me. So I made this short film, and I cast a friend of mine who's a New York City police officer uh, who I grew up with in the, in the short, so he's a cop and an aspiring actor. Um, and fast forward, we get that short into Sundance, and he comes, he comes with me, the, the cop friend of mine comes with me to Sundance. Uh, we're in the lodge, if you've ever been to Sundance, a snowy kind of mountainy place, and you know, um, and we're sharing this lodge together. We had just finished our premiere, and we start talking about the Eric Garner case in Staten Island. And um, growing up, I grew up in Staten Island. He, we grew up together, playing high school football together. And um, one thing led to another. You know, what started off as a conversation between two friends ended up in a pretty heated debate, what ended up becoming the dinner scene in the film. And it was one of the most powerful conversations I had in my adult life. Uh, I, I felt very uncomfortable. Like, I, I didn't agree with him, but but he was saying things that were, you know, were his beliefs, you know, and, was, and I'm thinking he's one of the good ones. Like, I'm like I'm missing something here. I'm missing something. Something. Some. Is it me that's missing something? Is it him? What, like, what's going on here? And anyway, fast forward. You know, I, I, I only my short film was nine minutes, and it's really about Kelvin's character, the the young African American kid walking home. And I just thought, you know, my sh it works as a short. Like, I don't see how I expand that in the feature. And somehow that conversation led me down to say, you know what? perspective is what I didn't have and that was a way that I could expand that little short film and add something to the conversation you know but then I still thought I said you know that's just two sides you know 
that's a circle, you know, I need something, you know, and I started thinking about a triptych structure. How can I, how can, can I branch it out? How did we get to this? You know, what brought the attention to all these things that are happening? And I kept thinking about the videotape. And without those videotapes, like, would we, you know, would we have, without those videotapes, and I was like, oh, but we haven't seen that character before. Where are the guys or girls that videotaped those things? And I started doing the research, like, oh, the guy in Staten Island is now in a Vegas prison. Like, where, he's gone, you know? And, and the guy who shot the Walter Scott tape, like, didn't want to come forward with the tape because of what happened to the guy in Staten Island. Um, the young woman who, who videotaped the Philando Castile and the, the, with the girl screaming in the back, like, where are they? And I just thought, you know, their lives are important and we forget about them. Um, and somehow through those sort of internal dialogues I was having myself, you know, kind of came up with this triptych structure. We can have a catalyst for an event, something similar to the Eric Garner case or something similar to the Philando Castile to get us into it um, and then follow the lives of people that are affected by them um, because we forget about them, because they don't have a voice um, and then we can see that sort of channeled through Kelvin's character, you know, who, you know, is conflicted with all of this, doesn't know how, what to do with it necessarily, but feels like he wants to get involved and doesn't know how. Because um, I feel that often in my own life, you see all these things that are happening, but it's like, man, well, well, what do I do? You know, so the problem's bigger than me. So, you know, you just kind of go, you see it in the news and you go back to your regular life. You know, it's like, but I, I just don't want to live like that. You know, I feel like I, I need to do something. I don't know how to do it, you know, and I started thinking, well, it's an individual act. It doesn't have to, you know, I have to change the world, but I can do something. I could take one step, you know, like she said, call one organization. If there's something, you know, I don't know. I just started thinking about what are the ways that I can become actively involved? Um, what's right and what's wrong? I don't know, but. Right. So I promise I won't talk too long yeah. because we want the audience to have space for questions, but. Um, you brought up something for me when you talked about your friend who was the police officer, right? And the way in which you kind of represented that character in the film, right? I haven't ever seen a film that um, does more than talk about an individual character and their individual decisions. But what I appreciate, um, and you mentioned the other film that I think comes out next week, um, I, yeah, I, I had um, I had Siri. I'm gonna be straight up. So I organized with Black Lives Matter just for everybody's awareness. We are a police abolitionist organization, right? So I want to be straight up about that, right? So we don't believe that you know any amount of training, any amount of good cops is gonna undo a system that's founded on slave catching, right? Um, what I appreciate about the film, though is, um, so the reason I mentioned The Hate You Give is because in my view it's a very, um, I saw the, an advanced um, screening of that as well, it's a very pro-cop film, right? Very pro-cop film. This one, I was nervous, I shared with you, I was nervous about having this conversation because I was going, how is this gonna work, right? But then when I saw it, I love how you complicated it, where it's not just about the individual actions of the officer or who the officer is. You didn't condemn that officer as a human being, right? We saw the humanity of him, but ultimately the system of policing was bigger than him, 
right? And so he kind of um, succumbed to that system, right? So it's, um, I think it's really creative how you were able to do that, how you were able to say, you know, yes, there's this person, yes, he's a father, and yes, he's a husband, and he's funny, and, you know, he ha his wife loves him, right? But ultimately, at, you know, at, he turned his head on the boys he was playing basketball with, right? And so how did you kind of create that narrative? What made you do that, and how were you able to dig that deep? and um, kind of tell that story in that way? Yeah, I mean, I, we, we had support uh, from the Brooklyn North, which is a division in the NYPD, um, and John David uh, was able to do some ride-alongs with, with, with those guys. Um, and it's tough, you know, we also had some consultants, Edwin Raymond, who, who actually has a lawsuit against the NYPD right now, um, and he talks about, like, he's up for a promotion and, and he's not getting it right now, you know, and, and, and you know, and and all the, the sort of issues that he faces as 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 a black police officer, and and it's just tough. You know what I mean? That the system, you know, speaking up could get you fired. Speaking up, like Colin Kaepernick, could get you right. you lose your job. But for a lot of these guys, it's family. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I want to go home to my family, mm. and that that is what it's about for John David. You know. If I do this, maybe I get involved and they tell somebody and now I'm alienated on the force and all these things that they have to worry about. Not to say that, listen, it's also a movie. We've dramatized it for, 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 the, for, for, for reasons, but I, but I think that those are real things that they face, you know, that if I speak up, it's going to do more harm to me than actually doing to something. To me as an individual, mm -hmm. you know, I became a police officer because I wanted to serve my community. And you, t you hear a lot of police officers say, I, I, I want to... I want to work in the, in the community in which I, I grew up in. I wanted to serve those kids. But once you're playing for that team, you represent everything that that team represents. Mm -hmm. you know? And then how do you create your individualism within that culture? And it's tough. And sometimes you can't separate it. And you know, sometimes you think about you know, self-preservation over you know, um, what maybe you got into it for. So I have one last question, um, and this one is a little bit more of a critique. Mm. Um, so I think it was interesting. I, th I, I was drawn in by each of your characters. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I saw it for the second time that I realized all three of your leads were men. Um, <laughs> the women feel me. <laughs> Good. Um, in a movement that most of the folks who are sacrificing everything, I have a court case that begins tomorrow, right? Are women. It seemed as if the women that were represented in the film were appendages to the male leads. Did you kind of think about that, or have you thought about that since the film has been out, or um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I, I definitely thought about it. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, and I tried to, in the, sm in the small amount of time that we had with the women that we had, to try to make them strong. 
Um, you know, and Zoe's character is not somebody that is just becoming activated now. You know, she's somebody that's been on the front lines. Um, she's always been fighting this fight. And I tried to make that clear, you know, in, in the film that she's, she's not somebody that's just now coming to it like Zyrick has been. You know, he has to go to her to find out how to, how to get involved. Um, you know, a, a lot of this is based on personal things in my life and who I am and how I grew up. I grew up half black and half Puerto Rican in a single parent household with my father. You know, my father w worked for the Department of Investigation. He had a gun and a shield. There's a lot of Dennis in him. Zyrick is me. I was that kid that had two major league tryouts and didn't make it and came pretty close to it. You know, so the characters are based on me and my personal life and, you know, how I kind of dealt with, you know, those those things. And so it just so shook out that way and how it was shaped. Um, it wasn't to alienate or to to not embrace, you know, and I definitely tried to, you know, make conscious decisions who we were casting to make sure we had very strong, um, strong female, you know, um, leads next to next to the men, you know. Um, Nicole Bahari is I, I think she's fantastic. I think Sante is fantastic and I think, you know, um, they deliver in the short amount of time that we have with them. Um, but yes, uh, you know, absolutely when you when you don't have enough time to explore, especially when you're doing um, doing it in this way, it's it's tough. Um, and again, you know, maybe if I would have expanded it or had a different, you know, it, it just it's just the way it shook out with this one. So I just want to leave you with this before we get to questions, is the question I'm asking is, yes, the women characters were strong. I love how they're created. But why was the decision made to make the last character Zyrick and not Zoe, right? Why is there no Zoe lead character? And you can't answer it now, but just I'm hoping that like there's things to think about as we walk away, right? Because this is not going to be your last film, right? Um, and I hope not. <laughs> um, so I, I, I just want to kind of plant that seed and then a seed to plant for the audience. Um, and we want to encourage people who have questions to come forward. And Sonia's gonna has the microphone, so please come forward with your questions. For the audience, we want you to um, remember that Ramsey Orta, who is the brother who shot, filmed the um, murder of Eric Garner, is still in prison. And so I'm going to give you an address, and I'm going to give you an uh, account that you can donate to. He's been in and out of solitary confinement. He's been beaten by the prison guards. Um, and this is what's happening to Ramsey as a result of his decision to stand for something or sa even if it means sacrificing everything. He is a father. He is a partner, right? And so we need to think about how do we support those who s are sacrificing everything. So I always like to, if we're in front of an audience, um, most of the times people ask, well, what can we do? What you did is make a powerful film, right? But each of us have a responsibility to do something. Joining an organization like Black Lives Matter or Mob United or White People for Black Lives, right? That's something that you can do. Just writing a letter to Ramsey Orta and saying, 
you know what, we're still thinking about you. You're not alone, we remember you and thank you, right? That can mean the world, that'll cost you, I don't know, how much is a stamp now? Do y'all mail letters? I haven't mailed a letter in like years, huh? 43 cents, it will cost you 43 cents, right? So that's something very easily that you can do, but we wanna encourage you to come forward and ask questions. You won't be with a filmmaker of a powerful film like this very often, so please come forward if you have Thank questions. You. And I wanna say in the interest of time, if you do have a question and you feel um, like you can um, project enough to speak from where you are, um, you're welcome to do that. Uh, does anyone have a question? I don't have a question. I do have a comment. Okay. Hi. Hi. I just want to say thank you very much for making that film. Um, it was very powerful. This is just my personal um, take on it. I don't think that every film that we make has to have an equal amount of uh, male representation, female representation. I know we have a female movement going on right now, uh, but I feel like the message that you were trying to portray in this movie is exactly what's happening to our black boys out in the streets, our black men out in the streets. This is what they're faced with. My son had to deal with the exact same thing. I'm sure everybody in this theater has had either it happened to them or they know a family member or a friend that it's happened to they just stop you for no reason, that kind of thing. I, I felt like you were trying to show us what black men in America have to put up with. I don't think we as women necessarily have to uh, have the same experience as our black men, except that they have to come home, our sons, our husbands, our fathers have to come home and tell us what they've been subject, subjected to. So I don't think every film has to uh, you have that female as a lead in it. I think these men, I think he did a great job in showing us what we have, what we're faced with on a daily basis. So thank you very much. Thank you. I think uh, this gentleman here. And I just want to say we don't want to leave out Riddell Jones and Sandra Bland and Waukesha Wilson and Michelle Shirley and Ayanna Stanley Jones and the girls who are also experiencing police violence. Um, so, and, or, trans and trans folks, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, thank you. I've been a fan of yours for like 10 years, seven years seeing all your short films with your brother Rashad, Ernesto. Um, I saw baseball, um, and to echo your point, and Miss Abdullah, your point, I like to look at the glass half full instead of half empty. The one thing that he does, and he's been doing throughout his films, he always has a strong father figure in his films, and that's something that's also absent in mainstream um, in films. So I wanna thank you for that. I saw myself in that, I'm a former police officer. I have a story with your best friend. Uh, three of us were roommates. Three of us became cops. Two of us, three choices, three stories, three men. Two of us quit, and the third is still doing it. And it seems like he's kind of brainwashed. And he has indoctrinated himself in the culture that you so eloquently, eloquently portrayed here. How is your film 
affecting men that are wearing a badge, men and women that are wearing a badge. And we did see a female officer, they're out there putting their lives on the line and they have an opinion and they're also indoctrinated into this. So how are they receiving it? I heard that you had re, um, support from the North Department, right? Yeah. How are they so, receiving So far, so good. I mean, we, we, we open tomorrow, so uh, we, we shall see. <laughs> we shall see. Um, but, but so far, so good. I mean, you know, we had to submit our script to the NYPD to have them, you know, to, to even shoot in Bed-Stuy and to shoot into these districts. Like, we couldn't fly under the radar with this kind of movie. We, we needed uniforms and, and, and things. So we were very open and honest about it. Um, and I think, you know, we found, we found partners that are looking for change. You know, there, there are people in the police force doing good work and, and wanna, want to find some common ground. So we, we, we sought those people out. Um, so we haven't had any sort of pushback in that, in that way. The same police officer that I had the conversation with is still in the feature film. You know, he's a white cop, you know, who, you know, I grew up with. So we were able to put past our differences in conversation and him to take, he's still a current active police officer. We've had several in the film that were working still. So, you know, our support from, from the MIPD is, has been great. Um, you know, hopefully other police forces will, will, will see it and, and feel that. Um, again, I think it's about the conversation, not necessarily, you know, like what can we do to move forward, you know? Um, and that's what we're hoping to, to look at here. So <laughs> we've had support. Anyone else? Question, uh, uh, so creatively, you've got three stories commonly one might see them woven together, and you chose to do it anthropologically. And I'm curious what that creative, uh, what drove that creative decision? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there was just some natural impulses to to do the, you know, to to intersect them even more. Probably even in the in the early drafts of the script, there were there was more of that. But it started to feel like movies that I had seen before, Crash or, or other films that kind of did that, and. And I don't know, I just resisted, I, I just kept resisting the impulse to do that. You know, I just wanted to, to feel like its own thing. I started thinking about triptychs and things. And I, uh, there was a, a film called Amoros Peros, it was one of my, one of my favorite films. Uh, and I love that film. And I literally bought the script and like was like, oh, it intersects on page five. Like I'm gonna write Monsters and Men like that. And I tried and I was failing miserably. Um, it, just, it just didn't work, you know. I, tr I tried all the different formats. And, you know, this was the one that, one that I felt like, you know, kind of passed the baton, if you will. You know, it, it gave it a little bit of a flow. I looked at a film like Elephant by Gus Van Sam, which was around another traumatic event, which takes place in sort of one, you know, one building. And I thought, well, can I do that? Can I do that on the streets of New York? You know, can I f be on the back of someone's head and then totally follow another character? Is that, is that possible? I thought, as the author, I can, you know, wh why not? You know, I, I wanted to try to try to be original in how we did it. And... You know, uh, so yeah, I mean, I definitely went down the, the, the more interesting, we, we have the crash version on the editing drive, you know, where John David comes back and the, you know, and they meet each other. Like we have it, I'm serious. Like we, we have that scene. It just, it just didn't feel right to me. It felt more, you know, it, you know, it felt more forced. It felt more not truthful, you know, uh, bring up Ramsey Orta, you know, the guy who videotapes like characters like that, character like Manny's character, you know, it was hard for me because I wrote the script and I love him and I, and I want to see him again. <laughs> you know, it's not like me. Like I, I personally, like I'm dying to see Manny again. 
but like that's also what makes it powerful for me was that we don't you know and i was like if if they can kill off ned stark in like game of thrones like can i kill off manny you know these are like real questions and i was like it's bold but i'm gonna try it you know because it's more it's more closer to the reality of what happens to people like him and we miss them. And I thought, if we still miss him at the end of the movie, then I've done something right. Because maybe we will look out for him. Maybe we will engage with the people who we have been forgotten. So yeah, that's, that's what I got. So we're getting a wrap up signal. Um, are there any last burning questions? If not, I wanna give you this address. Can we do this one last question quickly? Okay. Yeah. I feel a little guilty asking about craft because you express this, you know, incredibly powerful issue, crisis, so beautifully that it feels almost like step down to ask about craft. But I heard the interview you did on the frame with Anthony Rance, and that was so passionate and beautiful. I just wondered if you could speak about you've got another cast member here, or some of the other, um, some of the other people who you might have, you know, brought in if you have a crew or any kind of craft. Oh yeah, I mean the the, the craft. I mean uh, Patrick Scola, his his cinematography is incredible. He came in in the eleventh hour. Uh, he had done a lot of commercials, but um, he was looking to do a feature. Um, I shot my short film. I, I'll bring it back again. Stop, and it was all handheld, and and you know it's part of the, the fact that I was like you know took out three hundred thousand dollars to go to film school. I had no money to make these shorts, and so you know. Uh, but it, but I was like, oh, how do I add grace to that? And I think you know Pat was really able to do that. We had a lot of conversations about you know, how we wanted to lend certain characters. We only have so much time, so we want you to fall in love with them right away. How can we feel complicit with these characters? And then, you know, and how do we leave them? How do we gracefully leave them? Is it steady cam? Is it, so we had a lot of conversations with that. Our editors, I had two editors, uh, Scott Cummings and, and Justin Chan, both incredible. Um, uh, Justin had, had edited my shorts, um, but he had never done a feature. So, you know, the producers were like, well, I'm not sure, you know, and of course, but Scott had done some features, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna abandon my team. These are the guys that helped me get there. So we gotta find a way to kind of collaborate. So, you know, I was able to do that. Uh, the score, Chris Bowers, he works on uh, Dear White People, he works with Kobe Bryant, he's incredible, incredible. Um, you know, because we don't have, you know, sort of intersecting stories, I needed linchpins that make it feel cohesive, and I think he was able, you know, it was based on conversations. How do we do that? How do we build towards this crescendo at the end of the movie, the, the movement, and, and sort of that, that final meet? So, you know, a lot of it was conversations and talking about how to get there, you know, sort of build towards that and what does the soundtrack look like. You know, Al Green was one of the first things on my mind. You know, it's probably the most expensive scene and it's like eight seconds, but I was like, we need to be singing along to this song. I'm telling you, I like convinced my producers, we gotta be singing, because if you're singing, I got them. You know, like you're in. And so, you know, there's just, there's just those moments, you know, little moments that, you know, listen, it's an independent film. We, we try to best with the budget that we were given with the truth that I had in my heart to try to get the story out there. We had an incredible team to put it together. I mean, that doesn't, you know, the, set, the production design, the, the wardrobe, it's, it's all folks that, that, that lended, lended themselves to the craft. And then, you know, just, there's so many people that just don't, don't get the credit that they deserve, but hopefully they'll be working on, you know, working for a long time after this. So we employed a lot of people, those credits kept running, you know, <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing. You know, we tried to put, you know, men and women you know, in front of and behind the screen, and, and we can we were going to continue to do that. So you know, just yeah, we we had a, a beautiful team continue to do that. Thank you. And so for those of you who want to write to Ramsey Orta, 
Ramsey Orta can be written to at Ramsey Orta. His inmate number is 16A4200. 112 Scotch Settlement Road. Governor, G-O-U-V-E-R-N-E-U-R, New York, 13642. If you didn't get that, you can see me after. And you can donate to him at officialramseyorta at gmail.com through PayPal. So if that's something that moves you, please do that. It'll mean a lot. But the, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, the point of the film is everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. So all of you in here are compelled to do something. And so we thank you for doing something through this beautiful film that you've made. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you, everyone, for, for coming. coming. Big hand film for Renato tomorrow. Martin If you Street. liked it, tell people to come. If you didn't, just talk to me outside one-on-one. -on -one. We'll, we'll have that That's chat. Right. All right. Continue the conversations. Continue your work. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theatre's Film Club podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear Q&As with talent from new independent films opening at the Landmark. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of these Q&As and more exclusive content. See you next time.